Hey, hi, hello, and welcome campers to the after party. How are we doing? How are we feeling? Are you ready for school? As I want to go back. <laughs> we I don't want to go to school. I didn't like any of you this whole summer, so yeah, it's actually good for no. me. No. <laughs> but I am going to write a novel about this in 20 years and not change your names. That seems rude. <laughs> seems kind of mean. Yeah, you know, it's going to be like a coming of age story, but you are going to come out looking really bad. Eric, did this happen to you and you're just quoting from your life? No, that's just like the basis of... There are so many books within books of this. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm thinking of This Is Where I Leave You. Did you you read the famed novel Camp Die by me in third grade, Eric? No, Brandon, We I screamed, and you cut it out, but every episode I screamed, this is fair use. So, <laughs> so it should be fine. It's not my fault that you cut it out, but it was there in the raw files. Your honor. <laughs> Look, no fair judge, use intended. Uh, now, I'm just a Southern lawyer, but I did not say that I did say fair use. Wow. <laughs> it was in the creative commons, your honor. Peck, peck. No, but really, how are we all feeling about finishing our summer adventure, our first short campaign, our first mini campaign, our first campaign, and looking forward to something new? I know I am both bitter, bittersweet, and looking forward to what comes next. I'm I'm sad to leave camp, but I am also so freaking excited about campaign three. So it's it's tough to you know it's a good balance I think in the end of the day. I saw Mm -hmm. a piece of fan art with the three of us that I shared in the Slack chat, and I literally shed a tear looking at it. So I'm a little emotionally devastated. Yeah, it feels like real camp. Like it feels like it's because it was short. It was poignant and uh, mm. and sad. And now I'm sad. I want. I don't want to go back because we can't ever recreate it. But I also want to live there forever. I want to give a special shout out to the people who responded to Camp Die specifically. I just thought it was nice. There were people who really, really came out and like declared this was their favorite story. Specifically, Camp Die on Tumblr, who did so much fan art for this campaign. So I think that's the thing that surprised me the most. Not that I wasn't excited to do it, and obviously, look, I have my own summer camp feelings that I poured into this thing, but I'm really, really stoked that people responded to it uh, as strongly as they did. Yeah. Well, we do have another hour-ish of camp uh, to enjoy together because there are a ton of questions about Whee! the campaign, about these last three episodes in our finale arc of the summer. Eric, do you know that was going to be the title the whole time? Or do you come to that over time? Oh, the summer? Mm-hmm. No, that was the thing at the end. I wasn't really sure how everything would kind of shake out. I kind of had a feeling you would beat Steven at the end, uh, just from the way the Monster of the Week is laid out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I did think someone would die probably during this thing, which I'm very surprised about. Which one of us did you think was going to die? Well, I mean, it, it was going to be less when he was going to get stomped <laughs> on by a by a Bodzilla, but then- uh, I got lucky, buddy. I, Bigfoot got in the way, but, <laughs> yeah, but no, I, I wasn't sure. I figured someone would die. But yeah, the thing at the end, when Steven was defeated and then it automatically was the end of summer, that was the 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 trigger for me to mm. make this call the summer. Mm. Beautiful. Well, lots of questions on how we got there, how we felt, and what is coming next. So all that and more in today's After Party. Da, da, da. Da, 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 da. I feel like there should be a music cue there. A stinger Thank there, you. yeah. I'll get the s'mores um, going and the fire started, and we can we can get we can get going. Yeah, yeah. love it. Julia, can you just put like a fireside chat sound below this whole episode? Listen, if you want just like nice crackling fire underneath this episode, I'll do it. Starting yeah, do- now. <laughs> Ooh, so oh wait, cozy. Julia, Julia, I have to sneeze. Stop it. 
And now you can bring it back. Okay, okay great. Great. Got it, got it, got it. great. Let's now double it, and I'll do it backwards and see if anyone notices. Nope, not doing that part. Okay, <laughs> we're getting I the fire sound. It's gonna be great. No, it's good. It's good. Amazing. Let's start uh, fire stoker in charge, Julia Shafini, uh, <laughs> with some feelings about Phoebe and Charles and ADZ. This question is from Hail Helena, who says. Phoebe's nature powers, if not from Charles, then what is she other than cool and a little ragey? I think she is cool and a little ragey. I had (laughs) discussed with Eric when we were first coming up with characters and whatnot, the idea that Phoebe had been experiencing magical stuff before she arrived at camp. Like I had kind of alluded to, oh, bad things had happened at that school year. So Phoebe was kind of excited to go back to camp, but it was also nervous because weird stuff was happening to her. And also the idea of the bus crash that happened for the cheerleaders (laughs) that I mentioned. Oh, yeah later on in the season. That's right about that. Yeah, but so I just think Phoebe kind of does have an innate magical ability that she chose to believe was being channeled through the forces of nature because of ADZ and the learning tool that he chose, the educational tool. But I, I do think that she just has like magical ability and is learning to control it slowly but surely and this is just the beginning of her magical journey Mm -hmm. totally shelby stud wants to know what was charles slash adz's motivation for guiding phoebe how did charles speak into her brain how did adz know she had powers in the first place well, this is an educational process. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and yes, I also agree from the jump, I knew that Phoebe had had powers the entire time. I think the idea for this world, whatever we're playing in, something that's not like inherently magical and a little just like weird and wild like we're dealing with, is that it's harder to think that you are a sorcerer than someone who got powers from somewhere. Mm-hmm. Like a warlock or whatever we would call that in D&D, or you got powers from interacting with a deity or a spirit or interacting with an object that has a part of a spirit in it, blah, blah, blah. You aren't just born with powers. That happens a lot less, I think, than getting cursed by an object. Yeah. If we're playing in, like, Slipstream or Magical Realism or whatever modern context we're trying to talk about. So I think that's what the educational praxis of what we're doing here is, is that it's easier for Phoebe to understand as a as a teenager that she got her powers from the forest and that there is a guide trying to help her even if it's fake because you know the education was real yeah absolutely and i think that the whole thing about charles being like really casual is part of the educational process if charles and adz spoke the same way uh let's talk about all the fucking lessons that adz tried to impart upon less whether or not he decided to listen to them is up to brandon but like totally different absolutely different yeah, yeah. and charles was like really like i don't know man figure it out for yourself a lot like you got to get the magical person and to make choices about whether or not they're going to use it for good or evil. It's like a manager at work being like, I'm sure you'll make the right decision. And then you're 14 <laughs> and you're like, ah. <laughs> I also was really thinking about Phoebe's journey as the quintessential like Joseph Campbell hero's journey and yeah. the idea that you have to find that mentor who eventually leaves you or you are left on your to your own devices and stuff like that. Also, what was the last part of the question that was posed by the listener? 
it was, how did ADZ know she had powers in the first place? When I saw that question, my immediate thought was like, oh, well, Phoebe's parents called the camp to let them know beforehand. <laughs> 100%, right? 100%. And I hadn't thought about that at all until I saw that question. I was like, well, obviously they would notice that was some, that something was weird. <laughs> They're already sending their daughter to Camp Die, so they probably know what the like magical, at least have an inkling of like the magical, like, Ness of Camp Die, and then probably called the camp and be like, "Hey, our daughter might be having some like magical awakening. Can you just like help her out with that, or keep an eye on Do her like for a program?" The yeah, yeah. I'm thinking about all the stuff I did as a teacher when I was getting my master's in education and like applying the theory and then looking at like case studies and how you do that for like hero education. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, yeah, Julia studying Joseph Campbell, yeah. regardless of whether or not that is the right way to teach a hero or a powered person that is like the established societal understanding of it. So we need to fit that in to make it easier for people to understand. And then like all these case studies and yeah, there's some vague like um, pedagogy around that, which I think is is totally true. Which is why the the Charles method was was put in place. Yeah. Ooh, the Charles method. Good stuff. That's good. Yeah. Named after Charles Fort, who believed that you should trick children into knowing they're thinking they're monsters. Famously so. <laughs> Father of the Bird posits a uh, a good theory. I think is Phoebe the most powered N slash PC in the JTP verse? Inherent innate power per pound. Who would win, Phoebe versus Val? I mean, Phoebe in 10 years? That's that's something. Yeah, I think the answer to this question is Phoebe because of the rules of Monster of the Week as opposed to all of the other universes that we've been in so far. And that's because Monster of the Week's magic system is so fucking loosey-goosey. At the end of the <laughs> campaign, I said, I take my soul out of my body and I put <laughs> it into Jenny's body. And Eric's like, sure you do. <laughs> I could just do, like, I think it dawned on me in that episode. I'm like, I could just do whatever the fuck I want, basically, as long as I <laughs> and roll And then you well roll enough. a seven and then I say, there's a glitch. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But like, if I roll well enough, I, I could do whatever I want. Magic is real there and I'm not like, hemmed in by the rules of the game as much as I am with D&D &D with spell slots and specific spells and whatnot. I would really love to point towards things that Milo did in campaign two. <laughs> the turkey <laughs> incident. We need to talk about the turkey incident. Yeah, when he made all those turkeys dance um, or when he started playing Minecraft with my, with my fight. But no, I think the delta of regular person to character or NPC, I think Phoebe is the highest. But I think that if we really want to, we're having a conversation about two different people in their prime. It's a real Michael Jordan, LeBron James situation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Speaking of which, here is a section of questions that Eric has helpfully titled Big Magic Choices, which Ooh. I thought was really great. <laughs> this one is from Cheryl Rosbach. Did you ever consider having Phoebe just pull Jenny out of Steven or would that have ended the story too early? I did not because the implication that Eric gave to us about how Steven had entered camp was... Steven not only like ha was embodying Jenny's like campness, but also the fact that Steven had all her juices. And so even if I had just pulled the soul out of Steven, Steven still would have had all the juices to so be a camper. Got to be a juice. Now, does he have, if Steven still had a face, he would have been fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I know. Yeah. That wouldn't have worked because the way Monster of the Week, Big Magic 
it's like you got to do a big ritual, and there has to be a big ritual associated with it. Also, like that was what we were doing during the game session. Yeah. So it's like with Monster of the Week, it's like let's let's do the task and figure it out. You get to do the task and figure it out, but you get to do it in whatever way you want. So yeah, you have to do the magic ritual to figure out whatever you're gonna do with Stephen. It also just wouldn't have felt as narratively fulfilling. Yeah. That yeah. can also be the answer. Hundred <laughs> percent. Speaking of narrative fulfillment, Allie wants to know what would have happened if the best friends rolled too poorly to succeed in the magic to kick Steven out of camp. Some of us still had luck points. Oh yeah. Oh no. Uh, Carrion was going down, man. I would have burned whatever luck points I had left. <laughs> <laughs> the end of the campaign ends with Carrion going to hell. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I want to put a pin in this because I definitely want to talk about luck points later. Mm-hmm. Also, do you, I want to make sure all of you have your character sheets because I want to talk about luck moves as sure. well. Because I, I just don't have all of them. But I think that that's quite interesting uh, as we talk about that. I'm going to go back to what I said before, is that Brandon would have died in real life. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon, fully dead. Yeah. How do you know I'm not? Ooh. Brandon, Ooh. you were playing on Shadow Realm rules. Did I not tell you? Oh no, you didn't. You didn't tell me shit. Yeah, you were doing. You were doing the Yu-Gi-Oh version of Monster of the Week, and I oh, forgot fuck. to tell that you. Is that why I'm wearing this like golden eye thing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You also have an Egyptian pharaoh living inside of you. Is that cool? That's tight. <laughs> well, yeah, I knew that. That's tight as hell. I knew that when I met Brandon at at uh, Insert Company here seven years ago. Uh, he kept telling me that I had to go out for some papyrus. And I'm like, I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know like, what that font? means. I don't know what that means. Eric, when you're going to get your bagel, can I get some papyrus? <laughs> yeah, can you just grab me a bag of scarabs on the way out? <laughs> They're very crunchy. <laughs> I, like how sh- I like how shiny they are. Duh, <laughs> sand in my tongue. Ugh. Hakuna, your potatas asks a question that I also want to know. Uh, I want to know more about the snowballs. Sure, yeah. Oh, I want to know... Addition to that, Eric, I was wondering when I was editing, because I didn't really think about it in the moment, but I was editing, and I was like, did Eric just make up the second option, the, like, snowball dance thing, mm. gala banquet thing as the second option, like, on the spot? No, I had both prepared. Oh, okay. I wanted, you know, sometimes I feel like Monster of the Week is a little too hemmed in. Do the thing I tell you, figure out the mystery, do the thing, especially for a big magic related mm-hmm. uh, mystery like we had. So I wrote down both and I wanted to give you the choice of which one you found more interesting. Um, so I can go. Yeah, let's talk about the snowballs. Let's do it. So uh, the, the mess hall has to be set up for an end of camp banquet with a theme, decoration and food. I took that from my camp experiences. Oh. The oldest age group had to put on like a banquet and decide the theme, has to decide the menu, like does all these decorations. It's a, it's a whole thing. Wait, Eric, we're going to pull over in a cul-de-sac right here. What was your theme? Oh, from when I was like a camper. Yeah. yeah. I think it was, it might have been either board games or Candyland. I can't remember. That's, That's adorable. But, what? like, it's a lot like prom themes, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. They're just kind of like whatever, and then everyone shows up in, like, the shirts they make for their cabin with all their inside jokes on it, blah, blah, blah. What so, was your role on the planet? Oh, I don't remember. It, like, everyone was on board, and there a lot of the artists did stuff. We were also, at, at the end of camp, everyone had to do a lot of stuff at the same time. There was, like, a real crush at the end where, like, there was a yearbook, and there was, like, a plaque you made for your co- for color war that needed to be revealed, plus banquet, and, like, your the play was also around the same time. There was a ton to do, so I can't remember what exactly I was involved in. Oh, and do you remember, does everybody attend the party, and it's, it's the oldest age group that puts it on? It's the banquet for the entire camp. Oh. Like, it's the last dinner for camp. And so what was the sickest one you ever attended? 
Oh man, I can't remember, but they you could get like food that you wouldn't ordinarily get for meals. Like I remember one time there was like ribs, mm -hmm. which was a really really cool, or like you know whatever there was a cool type of meat. It was always the fun <laughs> thing, and you could or you could put like you know they were really good at lasagna. That was a really big thing at camp, so sometimes people would do lasagna, but it would all be like vaguely themed, and like the kitchen staff had to order it like a week or two in advance. So right. It was a big deal. Um, it actually like fit into the way the camp ran, so that was that was real. The, that banquet was Aww. a thing. But again, like the thing about Big Magic, just to pull it back to, to Monster of the Week for a second, is like they tell you for Big Magic, you have to have like a certain number of people, specific stuff or actions, and a place. So that's why it, the, all of these things had like various actions you had to do three or four steps to go through, and that's like you run around and you fi figure out those steps as you do it. Yeah, love it. And then the other one were the three snowballs, which you had to go find, and then you had to get any powerful artifact from camp that was going to be your dealer's choice that I was interested in. Yeah, I had a whole thing about if you assembled the snowman, it might have been, like, Steven's girlfriend or sister or something. <laughs> and, and they would have, like, gotten into it, and, and she would have pulled Steven out of camp. Oh, my God. It would have oh, been a heat shit. miser, snow miser situation. <laughs> God it damn was it. Joy, yeah. it God, was that's Joy, good. Yeah. Damn it. Let's wait. Camp the episode. Let's go back and do it. Redo. Yeah. Yeah, let's just re redo it real quick. <laughs> yes, so I had both of those planned, but, you know, whatever. A lot of the stuff you do on the fly anyway. It's like, all right, well, where do you go? What do you do? It's true. Incredible. Mm -hmm. Michelle Spurgeon wants to know, what's the likelihood that the snowball stacking would have worked? It would have worked. <laughs> <laughs> they were equal. It's not like, oh, you fuckers, you chose the wrong ritual. You mean you didn't want us to fail? You didn't yeah, it I to hate be a fail-only challenge? I would have TPK'd. I really wanted all of you to die. So. <laughs> but no, I mean, it was fun. I was I was fine either way. I thought both were, were neat. Um, but there was some stuff that we found during play, during uh, the pranks one, that I'm really happy about. And I'm there's the final step of this particular one, of getting Jenny kicked out of camp, was particularly wonderful. And I, I'm really happy about that. Yeah. Julia's impersonation of Jenny <laughs> at the end was just chef's kiss kid. Thank perfect. you. No, no better way to end it. My favorite part of that scene was the grandma asking, can I speak to Jenny? And Amanda's carrying on going, no, just as I was saying, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Again, that was like the moment where I'm like, I can just do whatever the fuck I want with magic. It's the end of the campaign. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. I, Brandon, I thought you were going to say that uh, they did an impression of, Amanda and Julia did an impression of people who like to talk on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hard one. That's a hard answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yes, I would love to talk more about that. That would be fun. Yes, let's get into the details of the ritual. Um, KZ, three kobolds in a trench coat, would like to know, how did it feel for the players to wreck the camp with pranks? Carrion's never been more uh, scandalized and alive. Well, Phoebe was very angry, so wrecking the camp with pranks did not impact her as much as it would have if this was like the first episode of the campaign. So, yeah. yeah. I had this sort of... Um, mood or tone in my mind like you know in a movie where you know one character like smashes a plate or a lamp or something and then everyone's like yeah and then takes permission from that first broken thing to be like oh this is so cathartic i think that's what i was feeling in the moment and that's what it it was like the bonezilla is stomping all around all these buildings the slide's gone the new cabin is gone uh you know there's there's like huge footprints all over the field and mm. it's like what's what's one more thing you know mm -hmm. yeah Plus, we get to channel it against Steven, who is, like, taking over camp in that moment. Like, we're not, you know, we're not fighting 
in my mind at least, um, Carrie Anne was not rebelling against the camp itself. It was more against like the director's mismanagement and Steven as the, you know, person who like hijacked the thing she loved. Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah, yeah, same. And it's this idea that a little bit of damage to the camp would help save the camp eventually was also right. the logic that was probably going on in most of our heads, I feel like. And I think none of us, like none of the PCs felt that anybody else was doing anything to help save the camp. Yeah. So it was like, well, we're the only ones that can do it. So, Yeah, I think for the first time, Carrie Ann sort of realized that human life was more important than the camp. Um, and so <laughs> first time that, uh, first that was time. really ever. That was really a tipping point. It's like, all right, I can I can deface a shed or two in order to save these children from heat exhaustion. <laughs> I also don't think Les believes in authority, man. So like, <laughs> you know, it's chill. It's okay. We can be Brandon, different. That's what you think. What does yeah, yeah. Les think? <laughs> Les is a big old hippie too, though. So it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a good point. Um, there was something really funny about you all doing the pranks because like, the way I was framing it in my head, I was like, there's a zombie apocalypse happening and you guys are writing fuck on a shed. Yeah. <laughs> so I just thought that was super funny. You know, like that movie Army of the Dead that came out recently. It's like doing other stuff other than surviving during a zombie outbreak is so specific and funny to me. Mm -hmm. um, and like, that's what you were all doing. That's what you were all doing. And that was the scariest. That really was the scariest thing uh, happening. And it is all like, you know, very teen rebellion stuff. It wasn't like we were doing real damage or really terrible things at all. It was just like, I graffitied fuck on a wall. <laughs> oh no, the world. Wait, how did, we, how did we misspell fuck? This is an important question I had in my mind. In, it, it, to me, it was F C U K. Oh, I put F. I think in the episode I said F U C C or something like that. Oh, <laughs> you're right, Juliet. You're right. You're right. That's mm -hmm. much funnier. <laughs> Thanks, bud. I got distracted and I wrote C twice. <laughs> You're like, well, there's no going back now. I can't make that second uh, C into a K, even though I could. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Although we did do, like, I was going to say in my head, it's like, it's one of those, some of those pranks that, like, adults look at kids are like, oh, you're so rebellious. Oh, no. But yeah. then I realized that we did damage and probably break an entire army of waffle irons that would yeah. be expensive to replace. Yeah. So yeah. that's a crime. We did a crime. That's well, right. that's a good question. Okay, so if if Springer's armada uh, and fleet was destroyed, the Waffle Irons, of course, <laughs> the fleet. Um, do they lean into something new? Mm. Is everything grilled? Is everything gr barbecued? Maybe. I don't think Springer knows how to cook on anything <laughs> else besides Waffle Irons. So no, I think they just buy them a new fleet of waffle irons. We're it's possible. We're doing a whole head cannon section at the end okay, of the episode. Okay, sorry, sorry. Oh, good. <laughs> good, good, good. that there. Uh, the bocce ball was so funny. Oh my gosh. The, here's what's funny. I didn't have any of this stuff until the previous conversation and that Springer does stuff on their day off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so deeply funny. And I'm going to miss doing that voice. That was a good voice. You uh, could just do that voice, voice Do it right now. No, so I, <laughs> this is Brandon. This is like James Lipton inside the actor's studio. I have to like say, is Springer there? Can I talk to Springer? <laughs> Can they tell us about Bocce? No. Okay. What does Springer do on their day off? <laughs> I can't tell you. It's a secret. There it is. We got it. So we got it I'm out gonna, eventually. I'm gonna miss doing the, the doing the voice for sure. And yeah, listen, I also put Frankie in there because we hadn't talked to Frankie in like mm -hmm. in like mm -hmm. 16 episodes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, again, I had zombie apocalypse vibes in my head. So I wanted to have like a person who was really locked down 
in this way who like I don't know who was zombified who was summer zombified and who wasn't but like I thought that having someone who was in the meat locker might have been able to uh or not not have been outside when Steven started doing summer shit yeah, yeah like a real prepper vibe yeah, yeah. oh for sure Match. yeah no, it was a really good character choice to have someone do that in a good way to fold in Frankie, who I, for one, would love to hang out with just personally in life. Also kind of forgot about. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's okay. I never forgot about Frankie, Eric. Uh, that's also okay. <laughs> Les, grew out, Les grew out of needing other people to help him because he could just run really fast to fix the problem. <laughs> and also he had the best friends, so he didn't need the trippers. That's a good point. It's a very good point. Very true. Let's circle back to that phone call home and the door protector. Yeah, the door protector was funny. I didn't know. The door protector I kind of threw in because the thing, the the final prank of destroying the office was something I I thought you were just going to go there. And the fact that Carrie Ann thought that that was the valuable thing, the, the most important place in camp made it extra funny. Mm-hmm. So I it's had not? to put like an... <laughs> I had to put like an extra thing in there, and it ended up being really good. Les summed up everything about camp really succinctly in the conversation with the door protector. Um, Someone tweeted at me a line I forgot that I said, I learned something once and then I became a door. (laughs) (laughs) That was so funny. Never changed. The dream. My mother was a revolving door. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, how did you all feel about that thing of the uh, the thing of the end, or maybe just Brandon while Carrie Ann and, and Phoebe were losing their shit? In Absolutely the raging in the background. I honestly kind of blacked out during that conversation because Phoebe was in such a rage. <laughs> well, in the in the cartoon version that exists in the ephemeral uh, version in the sky of this camp, it was that was one of the funniest scenes to me. Just it's always so funny to me have someone just raging in the background while you're doing a serious test. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm picturing it in like medium soft focus in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in our in our cinematic lens. A little uh, behind the curtain stuff. Anytime you heard Phoebe scream during that scene, I fully faced away from the camera and then fully screamed at my mm-hmm. wall. Yeah, mm-hmm. it that's was called so fully work, baby. Yeah, <laughs> it's the magic of audio. And I particularly liked the just the image and how you introduced the door protector, Eric. I feel like it it really kind of brought back these motifs of the stone johnnies, of the stone golem protecting camp, and the wall from the very beginning. So I, I thought it was a, a really full circle moment. And for Carrie Ann, too, to revisit sort of the site of so many previous I- encounters and that one traumatic dressing down from the director. <laughs> yeah. And to be able to, you know, make her mark and express some rage and... I'm sure there were times before when she like knocked a stapler slightly, you know, off a desk and like panicked uh, <laughs> and put it back without anybody noticing. So for for me, that was a fun little character moment. Yeah, I loved it. I'm glad I got your your moral. <laughs> your camp moral. <laughs> Listen, hey man, sometimes you just gotta say it. Yeah, you you gotta say it. You have all types of listeners and readers. Mm-hmm. It is sometimes you just gotta lay it out. It, it's like I put the Spark Notes version of the thing in the podcast <laughs> so that you would know what happened, which is fine. It's fine. I thought it was. I thought that was a funny thing to say too. It was. Mel one eighteen says, "Did anyone else yell for Camp Die at the top of their lungs during the ritual?" I did. Yeah, I, 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 well I did. did. Yeah. yeah, I did too. I think that's more of a question for the audience. <laughs> but now you, hey, everyone, write in and text uh, one if you want Ruben Stuttered, mm-hmm. and two if you want Clay Aiken. <laughs> mm-hmm. again. Amazing. Yeah, but yeah, no. Let's talk about the final thing. The final phone call. 
in my head, there was this like big ethereal phone that was like beep bop boop bop and it was on speaker. It was like a big ethereal like ghosty office phone. And then the the grandma's voice, Lourdes, was coming through the speaker while like big Steven with his weird face was coming closer and closer and closer to the, the office and it was getting hotter and hotter and hotter the longer you had the grandma on the phone call. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, I couldn't stop laughing and also I knew the tension kept ratcheting up. <laughs> it's like I it's like I need to make you afraid but also I gotta do this grandma voice more <laughs> continuously. And you can you can hear our like confusion for the first like 30 seconds of that phone call. We're all like who the f- why is there a phone? Who the fuck is this? What do we yeah. have to tell this person in order to like move the plot along? <laughs> oh my god, it was so funny. <laughs> it really, really was. I love the moment where Eric says in the grandma voice, you called me! And then Amanda <laughs> just snaps into like polite phone mode. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> I forget what I said, but I was really trying to tease that you would not know this is the last thing to do. It was like you had to, I don't remember, I can't remember what I said, but I was really trying to be cloak and dagger about it. I really wanted to surprise you with the fact you had to call Jenny's guardian and tell them that Jenny was kicked out of camp. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I had no idea. Yeah, we were all very confused for a little bit, and then yeah. we were just like, oh, this is Jenny's grandma. Okay, focus up, gang. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I I just have to shout out my favorite line from that interaction, which is Julia saying, Carrie-Ann, you can't out so much their grandma for kissing. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, my favorite lines are when Carrie-Ann says something and Phoebe's like, Carrie-Ann, you can't just do that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it was good stuff. Um, Uh, But no, it was, it was, I I thought that was, that was really fun. And then, and then immediately we just kind of snapped forward. You all stumbled out, and it's the last day of camp. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a really wonderful pacing, I think. It felt sufficiently climactic, but also like in a movie where you don't realize that the thing is not, like, punching the enemy in the face, but, you know, like, disconnecting the the fuse mm-hmm. to the bomb. Like, it's just, it's a different style of climax that I thought was really awesome. Yeah. yeah. And you know who didn't learn anything? Jenny! You know what didn't learn anything? Everyone else at the camp. That was my favorite part, I think, of the finale is this idea that we all just went through like a really like Mm. harrowing, like life changing event for our three characters. And everyone's like, all right, we'll see you next summer. And we're like, no, you probably won't. What? (laughs) (laughs) We learned too much. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, there was a thing about like, and then everyone's, like, not prepared for the last night of camp. Yeah. Which is why all of you were able to go to the locks and hang out. Yeah. That was, like, what I was thinking is, like, obviously the oldest campers would have been there and done their end of the summer ritual. But since no one was prepared for it and, like, there was no bonfire, they weren't, they didn't have stacks of paper for you to play mailman, which is where you someone delivers nice things to each other and you write them down in pieces of paper. Um, and, like, or all the end of, like, end of the summer. Like, no one came up with a parody song about their cabin <laughs> set to a popular song song from 10 years earlier like th- th- no one was prepared so that's why you could all go to the locks and like no one had taken that spot already somebody once told me the best friends gonna stay together forever and never apart <laughs> dougie juice was in the bunk bed he threw pills all at my head and we all got chocolate chip <laughs> well that's fair use. Because Cabin 6 going to do it to you? Because Cabin 6 going to oh do it God. to you? 
I'm not good at coming up with songs, so I'm not even gonna try. <laughs> Amazing. Don't believe me, inside joke. Bow. <laughs> <laughs> Amanda's was the best. Jesus Christ. Yeah, oh, thanks. Very, very yeah. good. So let's first start with the NPC wrap-ups um, and this, you know, in my mind, the like movie, you know, post-credit montage a la the fairy uh, decathlon. So there were a lot of questions about Boo. Words and Recreation, for example, said, what actually happened to Boo? And Ralts was like, is Boo okay? Eric, what happened to Boo? Julia, what happened to Boo? <laughs> okay, Eric, I, I have a question. Sure. And I, like, I never asked this on mic or even off mic. Is Director Lowe's name a reference to someone who's associated with golems? Ding, ding, ding. You Yay! win. Rabbi Judah Lowe was the original rabbi who created the golem in the Jewish folklore uh, this story. This motherfucker planned it the whole fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> um, ordinarily, it's spelled L-O-E-W, mm-hmm. but there are because it's from like either Hebrew or Eastern European language spoken by the Jews at the time. It's moved. So a spelling is L-O with an umlaut W. So yes, Friday Low comes from the descendants of the rabbi who made the golem in the first place. I legit thought that you, even if this was a reference, that you were just like, you know, change the spelling to throw us off the scent, and then you just fucking love umlauts because you're Eric Silver. Mm-hmm. You're Eric yeah. Umlaut Silver, from what I've heard. <laughs> the audience can see that I've been dancing for the past five minutes. Mm-hmm. Yay! Yeah, Hell yeah. Uh, yeah, so like, I, that's why I assumed that ADZ was a golem the entire time, especially when the giant Stone Johnny appeared. And now that Boo is embodying a little clay body, he's a little golem yeah so yeah let me spell it out for the for you if you need it so i didn't know this was gonna happen someone and i'm not pointing fingers but someone <laughs> pulled boo's soul out of his body i don't recall that i don't, I don't know i don't remember mm-hmm. that happening so now boo could do that i seeded that by boo being able to uh astral project himself yep. into the candy storage and pull some out so i teased that and that had happened Carrie Ann had other shit on her mind. She decided to ignore it. <laughs> Fine. Fair. Then that became, Boo had that. During the Bonezilla Stone Johnny fight, Boo was crushed by the Bonezilla, and uh, his soul was just out there vibing like a little Casper. Cool. We Love did that. not, <laughs> Director Lowe, remember, only called Carrie Ann on the phone. And are over uh, over walkie talkie. Well, yeah. So you could have tried to find Director Lowe. She was barricaded in her residence with trying to figure this out for Boo. That's what that's what was happening th- at, at this time. Mm-hmm. So that scene that we got in the wrap up was the final thing. Now that camp was over, Director Lowe was being a mom again packing Boo's stuff up and then needed to have a vessel for Boo's soul to hang out in, which was what was happening. And Boo got wings! Yeah, and Boo been... I'm a bird. (laughs) Friday should have been a little nicer to carry in. Maybe she would have checked in on her. Maybe. Uh, Director Lowe did not want you to check in on her. (laughs) No, I know. (laughs) That was intentional. (laughs) That was intentional. So, no, uh, Director Lowe was dealing with it. So that's why Director Lowe was being very evasive at the end of the stuff. Eric, if you planned this in 2017 when you came on Spirits to talk about the golem, you need to tell us. (laughs) No, golems are tight and I keep putting them in shit. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's just just why I do it. We all know that Eric doesn't write anything down. Yeah. 
Famously. He's never <laughs> yeah, prepared yeah. for any it's session all, ever. It's all off the top of my dome, which is just as pow- which is just as powerful, if not more powerful, than me writing something down. That makes me more talented. I heard I'm the best GM in podcasting, and everyone's talking about it. Mm-hmm. Y- you mm-hmm. do have the mug that says that. Eric, do you have one clay tablet that you keep inscribing your episode notes in over and over, and then a golem of a DM takes over Holy your uh, microphone, and then at the end of the day, you wipe it clean, and that's why there's no record? That explains so much. My lawyer is telling me to neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> so, no okay. My lawyers are also telling me I'm the best GM in podcasting. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, well, must be true. Yeah. And all my players who've been playing with me for five plus years uh, must agree with me, I assume. Mm-hmm. We all just did. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Uh, can I hear uh, like a, a full sentence so I can clip it out later? Like Eric, <laughs> excuse me, uh, Peter Parker, dollar slice. <laughs> Silver is the greatest DM in podcasting. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it Benjamin sounds like Cumberbatch. an AI just said it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll clip it and put it on the soundboard for you, Eric. Great, thank, thank you. Thank you, thank you. So Benedict Cumberbatch thinks of the best GM in podcasting. <laughs> Hail Helena would like to know, is there anything that didn't wrap up the way you planned? I mean, most of this I didn't plan. Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't think I had a plan, you know. Mostly just like don't let the camp disintegrate into pieces. I did think that uh, Kuru Anaconda was going to become my stepdad, but oh, um, interesting. maybe he will. Um, <laughs> were your parents divorced, Les? Uh, who knows? Probably. Yeah. It's America. All right. I think in the back of my mind, I sort of assumed that there would be a moment that all of the other CITs get together and put aside their differences and unite for camp. And instead Jenny made a deal with the devil and died. Uh, and then uh, Phoebe used her flesh uh, as a flesh puppet to tell her grandma she got kicked out of camp for saran wrapping toilets. So uh, that didn't go how I planned, but it was much better than teenagers put aside their differences to unite for a common cause. Man, sometimes it's better not to have a plan. That's what I it think. It is, it is. We really should have known about Jenny's selfishness ahead of time because Jenny does have two eyes in her name. <laughs> It's true. Two ends and two eyes. Well, the ends don't matter as much, but you know. But she's so selfish, she puts I in her name twice. Yeah, there's no I in team, but there are two I's in Jenny. But there, there's two, multiple I's and ends in individual. Is that something? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Got him. <laughs> yeah, Brandon, fucking take it. <laughs> get, get fucking fucked. I came up with a different word than an I in it. Get good at words, nerd. <laughs> But most importantly, uh, for me at least, is the final uh, reveal, Eric's final mic drop, the final mm, je ne sais quoi, Samuel L. Jackson in the credits of a movie you don't expect him to be in, uh, was Tater Tot talking. So lots of people want to know, what's the deal? What the fuck? And was Tater Tot able to speak the whole time? <laughs> Eric, I was ready to murder that dog, Eric. You, you were like, Tater Tot walks into the field and starts talking. And I was like, all right, well, how can I kill a dog in the final moments of our campaign? Um, yeah, Tater Tot could talk the whole time. It just never came up. I, I thought it would co- I thought it would come up. And uh, I want to talk about this later, but there were a lot of uh, mysteries I thought of doing that we didn't do. And Jane was missing or something could have been a mystery we would have done and Tater Tot would have talked to you about it or something. Wait, if we had just asked Tater Tot a question like, who's a good boy, would he, he have said me? Oh, Tater Tot could have expressed things to you non-verbally mm. and understood what you were saying Preserve. in a lassie sort of way. Yeah, the cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fair. 
But yeah, standard talk could talk a little better. <laughs> Incredible. Bastard. God damn it. I knew it from the first episode. God I knew it the damn whole time. it. Damn. All right. Well, um, as Eric rubs his hands together, satisfied so well that we can toast a marshmallow on them. I know. The friction's <laughs> so hot. I'm going to run into the kitchen and refill our s'mores supplies. Let's go. Be right back. Hey, it's Eric. Another turning point, a forest ducky in the road. You turn him out of hand and we went to go. I can't believe another campaign is done. Being able to start and finish something in the middle of this year and like have it completed and feel like it was one little package has been really wonderful. Being able to do this show for so many years has been really wonderful. I'm incredibly excited for the stuff coming in campaign three. I hope you are too. Thank you to all of you. Welcome to the mid-roll. Thanks for staying along on the ride. Thank you to patron Dan, who recently upgraded tiers from 5 to $8 annual pledge. So smart, you get those ad-free episodes. Now, did you all know that you can get a discount when you sign up for an annual pledge? It's a great last-minute, no-shipping-required gift. That's all I'm saying. All I'm saying. Patreon.com slash join the party pod. You let us do all of this. We are so thankful to every single one of you. Patreon.com slash join the party pod. Join the nicest place on the internet. This week and multitude, I think you should check out the wonderful podcast Spirits. You might have heard of Amanda. You might have heard of Julia. But have you heard of them talking about mythology together? I don't know. Spirits is a history and comedy podcast focused on everything folklore, mythology, and the occult told through the lens of feminism, queerness, and modern adulthood. Every week, mythology buff Julia and her childhood best friend Amanda get together to learn a different story from mythology and folklore over drinks. Don't be that person who only knows things about mythology from Hades and God of War. You can't just wait for video games to come out. Learn with your own brain. Start listening at any of the 300 episodes they have. There's so many to enjoy, and you might need it over the fallow period in between uh, Christmas and New Year's. You should start listening. Dive in at spiritspodcast.com or search for spirits wherever you download your podcasts. We are sponsored this week by the 20-Sided Tavern. The newest interactive theatrical adventure experience is the 20-Sided Tavern, inspired by dungeons, comma, dragons, comma, and so much more. This live theater experience has had sold-out engagements in Pittsburgh, New York, and Edinburgh, and now they are in Chicago through January 15th, only at the Broadway Playhouse at Watertown Place. A unique journey that's never the same quest twice due to audience participation and interaction. It's a different ending every single time. You also get to use your mobile phone during the show to make selections, compete in games, solve riddles and puzzles, and determine the hero's fate. The Chicago Tribune says it's a new family-friendly franchise that celebrates fantasy gaming. The audience is a total blast, clearly authentic and fun. For showtimes and tickets, visit broadwayinchicago.com and look for 20-Sided Tavern. We are also sponsored today by Hero Forge, which offers fully customizable tabletop minis with dozens of fantasy species and thousands of parts to choose from. Their easy-to-use design tool lets you build the perfect mini online using a fully 3D in-depth character creator right in your web browser. Truly, you can spend hours just on the online component. 
these custom minis come in a variety of materials, including new and improved color printed options. But they don't have every single head, arm, leg, or face part just yet, but you can suggest it. Go to HeroForge.com suggest. They welcome all new part submissions through that survey, and they want to hear what you have to say. So go to HeroForge.com to start designing your custom miniatures today, and check back often. New content is added every week. I have not looked at the website since the last time we did the ads. I checked it this morning. There is some new, incredibly wild shit there, and it's based off of the things that people have suggested. Incredible. Shout out to Hero Forge. Shout out to the mini you want to see. We also sponsored by 20-Sided Store in Brooklyn, New York. I've missed saying that. Shop online or in-store for games, puzzles, gaming gear, and swag from Join the Party's friendly local game store. Co-owners and co-founders Lauren and Luis were the first people to ever support Join the Party when we launched. We talked about it over soup dumplings. It was a good time. I miss it. And it means the world for them to come back as sponsors on the show. Use code JTPCAMP. All one word. That is JTB Camp for 20% off your first purchase in store or online. That is JTB Camp in store in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, or at 20sidedstore.com for 20% off your first purchase. And finally, we are sponsored by Birds of Empire. Birds of Empire is a new cinematic audio event mixed in innovative spatial audio with Dolby Atmos with immersive sonic worlds created by the sound editor and sound designer from such films as Tenet and Dunkirk. That's wild. Go talk to Brandon if you want to know why Dolby Atmos is so wild. Thousands of years after the fall of civilization, the Earth has reclaimed the cities and glories of the modern world. Humanity has returned to a way of life more closely resembling civilizations of the ancient past. The bears, the rams, the birds, and the wolves. Book 1, The Dawn Age, serves as an introduction to each of the four young people from the tribes as we chart the rise of the first empire of the new world. Follow and listen to Birds of Empire on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you are listening right now. And now, back to the show. All right, people, we're back. We got chocolate. We got Kit Kats. We got two kinds of marshmallows. We got oh, graham Kit crackers. Kats. And we got Oreos. Oh, what are the fuck. two kinds of marshmallows? Handmade and store-bought. Oh, nice. nice. Oh, shit. That's Different good experiences. fucking s'more stuff. Uh, real quick, Paul, how do you say the word s'mores? Do you say s'mores or do you say s'mores? S'mores. S'mores. The, yeah, the latter, s'mores. Who says okay, cool. s'mores? Well, who do you think, Julia? The person that says cashew. <laughs> <laughs> we cannot use Lauren. We can't exploit Lauren for content like this. I, Lauren has a fascinating, just like way of pronouncing so many words. Incredible. Impactful. Incredible. I can't tell Shoot. if Lauren is a time traveler from the 17th century yeah. or the 24th century, but it's <laughs> yeah. definitely three centuries away. Three centuries and plus or minus three centuries. <laughs> plus or minus three yeah, centuries, yeah. yeah. All right, folks, let's talk now about the campaign as a whole, uh, some podcast stuff and head cannons. So many delicious questions to get to. So first, a lot of people asked, are there places, parts of the story, things from the world building game, NPCs that we wish we explored more? 
I wish I'd spent more time with Springer. I really laid the foundation for Phoebe to be like the cook's assistant. And then we only used it like once, maybe twice. Importantly, though, like it was an important yeah. thing. Um, but yeah, that, that would have been really fun. Though I did like just being able to randomly say, I have a knife. And everyone goes, ah. <laughs> <laughs> We did. We did. It's because of your fucking face you made every time you did it, Julia. <laughs> <laughs> It's like that one vine with the kid running around with a knife. Yeah, what do you exactly. got there? A knife? No! <laughs> yeah, that's, Jul- and that's Julia. <laughs> that's me. It's Phoebe the whole time. Yeah. I do wish, this may be for you, Ren, but I, I at least wish that we got to hang out with more of the trippers or um, hang you out You stole it! More. You <laughs> bastard! <laughs> tell, me about the, tell me about the specialties of the trippers that you, um, that you and Eric talked about before the game. Yeah, so correct me again if I'm wrong, because I forgot whether or not I wrote down the final ones or my ideal ones. But uh, yeah, what I, yeah. What I have on my sheet is we had a caver, like a spelunker person. We had a diver, which I believe was... That was Frankie, yeah. Frankie. Then we had like a boatman slash rafter, like someone who did canoes and stuff, a photographer, and a botanist. Yeah. Mm. Those were yeah, those were the ones that uh Les could have went to if you had something specific. But and you could have, I guess. Like there are plenty of situations maybe if you needed it. It's just like I don't know. I'm not I'm not thinking of that stuff. It's hard like regardless of character sheets is like either you play to the character sheet or you don't play to the character sheet and both are intentional, both not in a good way. It's yeah. like you just got to see if it ha- you just got to like see if it happens or not. And it just uh this is the way it shook out. Yeah, like I think that this was obviously made that the searcher playbook was made for more of a like um what do they call it in X Files the lone the lone gunman it was yeah. it's the lone gunman you're supposed to like text them or email them or something you know get a response back but we weren't doing that in terms of our tech and I think like you know the best friend sort of like subbed in for that I think it would been would have been like feeling like a Deus Ex Machina kind of thing if we went to the trippers the whole time yeah so mm-hmm. I'm glad we didn't do it but um. Yeah, it would have been fun to just like see what NPCs Eric came up with. Yeah. Um, yeah. Eric, real quick, can you give me a botanist NPC? I was just about to ask for the botanist. So what do they sound like? Same brain. Um, uh, hey, Les, if you take two steps to your left mm-hmm. and one to your right, mm-hmm. you'll be standing directly on top of the deadliest dandelion that's ever happened. Okay, so do that. Thanks. No, don't do that. <laughs> Too late. Unless you're dead, unless we get you to a hospital in 12 hours. I'm Ira Glass. (laughs) I was thinking Cameron. Is that a Cameron? That could be Cameron. That would work for any gender. I think that would be be nice. Brandon, do you remember when I did an Ira Glass impression out of nowhere that I didn't know I had? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm really proud of you, guy. Mm -hmm. I didn't even laugh at the end because I was like, yeah, yeah, that is Ira Glass. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, the one I did this on a stream that Brandon and I were on uh. bef- a while ago and I'm like, I didn't know I had this and Brandon's <laughs> like, you surprise me all the time. <laughs> it was the uh the Mystery Science 3000 stream. Uh, Rift Tracks. Yes, the the Rift, Rift Tracks, Tracks one that was fun. I want to go back. That shit was so much fun. Yeah. I wish that we got the chance to meet people from the camp for Wayward Boys across oh, the lake. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. I know that Wolf, Wolf, Wolf Hill. Hill. Yes. Yeah. It was the ROTC camp. Yeah. Yes. And I know that our whole thing is like playing in one place and it's all about camp and the camp's walls are like literally and metaphorically really important. But I loved encountering the Brothers Boudreaux. 
And just like any time the walls of camp were breached, whether it's Crudo Anaconda coming in, or if there's something like just beyond the wall, you know, not just Steven, but something like if the Alicante was running or the whistle was there or something like that, I feel like Carrie Ann would vault that wall and run in, in like with, with no persuasion. <laughs> so the idea of the boundaries of camp being a little more porous, I think would certainly have come up in a longer form campaign. Um, but that's that's the only thing where I was like, oh, that was the thing in world building that I really did wish we got to encourage, like the co-camp, you know, regatta or dance mm-hmm. or something um, yeah. at the end of the summer. Yeah, I wish I had had more uh, non-camp adults for Phoebe to absolutely roast. <laughs> Maybe next time. Yeah. Um, along the same lines, I would love to see, I, I don't like, like, I'm not like bummed that we didn't do it, but because like we had tons of fun mechanic stuff, but I would love to see an Eric's mechanic version of like a flashlight tag end of camp color war thing. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to see what that would look like. That'd be fun. Oh, we could have done like a game of the, how doth the little crocodile, which I Mm -hmm. only like Mm -hmm. vaguely referenced in the killing of Frederick the frog. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was trying to figure out, what to how to do that one because you fleshed that out so much in the world building brandon when you re- you also read that part of the the jabberwocky too that was part of it and i'm just like i don't know what to do here yeah it would have been like there i see here's the thing these are like episodes of tv in my head these are like mm-hmm. episodes of gravity falls so like yeah if we had another season i could do it right. and i if it was color war it would have been like color war oh, there would have been the power would have taken out at camp and the whole thing would have been in the darkness and there probably would have been like a really scary monster that would have been involved and that's what the flashlight was for mm. um, and there would have been like darkness mechanics is yeah. probably what it would have been that's as fun. you try to turn the lights back on at camp so that color war can be finished oh, and then so there cool. would have been a giant crocodile it would, it would have been the jabberwocky yeah. yeah the jabberwocky was there yeah. so you at your home and your home games do that <laughs> there you go yeah, truly. I mean, listen, once you with Monster of the Week, once you have the settings set up, you can do anything. And it's just like whether or not you end, we end up doing that. And I want to like play more like nothing having to do with Steven episodes, you mm-hmm. know, like just doing these Monster of the Week episodes as yeah. they are. It's just like, yeah, let's do these things that that are just we play for three hours and there you go. Basically everything we did in the woods, I would want to go back to like negotiating the kind of relationship between the Fae and the camp, hanging out with Avery more, I think would be really fun. That was in the same episode, but like checking in on Mavis Beacon, uh, all <laughs> all of these things I think are so are so fascinating. And and even too, like one of my favorite episodes was, oh uh, yeah, you know, the, there's something happening under the new cabin and we got to figure it out. <laughs> and I, I just, I loved like dropping in, meeting those girls, <laughs> meeting Brenda. Shout out to Brenda, my girl. And just seeing like that, that reveal of a trap door opens and we have to go in. Sorry, I don't mean to to question you, Amanda, but I don't. Maybe, who is Mavis speaking? What I don't know. She teaches typing. Oh, oh, Mavis speaking. Uh, teaches yeah, typing. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, it, makes sense. It. Makes yeah. sense. No, my my bad, Brendan. That's on me. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. No, I though you all nailed a lot of stuff. Again, I have a lot of ideas that we could have done that I I wanted to do, and. Tell us those ideas. Sure, yeah. I Tell mean, maybe we'll end up ideas. doing it. We'll end up doing it. Maybe I'll, I'll twist them. I had one about the art barn. I had set that one up in a previous John Bones Bones announcement that the art barn was there because, like, at my camp, the art uh, area was multi-tiered, so mm. there would have been something going on at the art barn that, like, we could have had like there were some like paint monsters or art stuff going on in there. 
yeah, the one about Wolf Hall. We there are so many different episodes we could have done that. It could have been a dance and someone is dangerous. It could have been like intercamp. You could have went there, um, or it would have been they would have been like across. We didn't do a lake, but they would have been like nearby. There was also at my camp there is a like a nature reserve nearby, or maybe it was just like a park. But you know we were out in the woods, so I guess you wouldn't call it a park. But there was this like rolling hills, and if you walked all the way down there, there was a waterfall, and that was like being outside of camp, but only in an area we were outside of camp could have done that we could have gone to the boudreaux's place we could have went into town which was another thing we could have done uh Mm. there is a town called bracebridge that was really close to my camp that was like 15 minutes away but 10 if you were speeding and that could have been part of it like going there getting something you need to come back with a car we said we could have done a driving thing yeah, there's a lot of ideas. I'm just listen. I'm just spitballing these. Yeah. I know mm-hmm. exactly how they could have gone mm-hmm. if I just put the mechanic. These are the ideas. So it's like I don't even. There's a lot of stuff. And if I I went back to the world building game, I'm glad I did as much as possible. But I think the two uh, that we suggested about Wolf Hill and um, the flashlight tag were probably two that I or Color War in general. Mm-hmm. That's those are two I just could not get done because we we spent the time in the woods. Instead of doing some of this stuff, which isn't bad, but we did need to finish up what the fuck was going on with Greenbrook, which yeah, I'm really stoked on. So we had to like uh, deal with that stuff instead of because I really wanted to keep this to 20 episodes. Yeah, I love the idea now in my head of doing an art barn monster where like the paint, like a um, portrait of Dorian Gray thing, where they like steals your soul Ooh, or something. You know, oh, that's the better your art, yeah, the less verve you have. That's my cool. immediate thought was collage monster. Mine was glitter. It is a monster. Glitter yeah. is a monster. You got it. Yeah. Uh, we could have done another thing with Jane, as I said. I think Jane kind of faded to the background once you all were kind of like self-assured. Like you didn't Jane need Jane to be your boss, and we could have done a tater top thing. Um, but I like the reveal as we did it. I mean, his leg did turn into a K, I yeah. believe mm-hmm. was the letter. <laughs> yes, that was He the was letter. having a rough go of it this summer. So We've all broken a bone in the first week of the season or the year, and mm-hmm. just really... One I really wanted to do that we didn't get to do was going to be one where you went out of camp with the trippers. It would have been in the really in the woods doing some shit with the canoe and we would have done that mm-hmm. stuff. But again, I liked being in camp so much I didn't mm-hmm. want to leave. Hell yeah. Here's a question from KKBug02. What was one thing your character did this campaign that surprised you? I mean, have a crush. I was not expecting that to happen. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. That's my answer. I think for Carrie Ann, it would be breaking rules. I sort of expected her to unfailingly uh, follow direction from the director. And I think it was a really interesting part of her journey and interesting for me to play to realize that the adults in your life don't always give you good guidance or to stop unquestioningly following it. Yeah. And it was baked into your your playbook, too, with the sect. It was. I think... Phoebe's rage was a really big one that surprised me at the end. And it was a a lot to do with the reveal that you provided me, Eric, that gave me that space to play in it. (laughs) But when I was building Phoebe as a character, I picked the spooky because I was like, oh, there's going to be a dark side element to this. But it's going to be an outside force that's influencing Phoebe rather than it just being Phoebe herself. And that was like a really surprising and interesting turn in playing the character. Mm. Yeah. 
I, w I want to talk about that really quickly. There was such a choice from Julia not to talk specifically about what ADZ did with Charles that I thought was really interesting of you two swapping over and taking you taking over for the Stone Johnny. And, like, also, I want to say how, like, karmically and magically difficult that would have been to take over for as the Stone Johnny and run that for a little while. You never confronted ADZ about why he did Charles stuff. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting, and that's why Phoebe was just fucking pissed. Yeah. Yeah, the only thing Phoebe said to him was, I know what you did. And that's it. That was the only confrontation that, like, occurred during that scene. Mm -hmm. I did relate to ADZ that you called him a motherfucker. Correct. So. <laughs> that's yeah. fair. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Hey, Brandon, why was ADZ's eyes so yellow and his teeth so sharp? Mm -hmm. Well, I heard he needed to go to the hospital. It sounds like he was having <laughs> jaundice issues or something. Yeah, yeah. He sense. really needed to get checked out. Yeah. He put it off for the entire summer because he said he had the responsibility of the kids, but he really needs to go to a doctor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This question is from TJ, rolls net 20 for hugs. Uh, for players, how did it feel using luck so freely, knowing this was the last session? And Eric, did you feel that the players were abusing the luck system at any point? Automatically, I want to say no to abuse. That's in the game. You got you use them if you got them. Yeah, you know? powerful. Yeah. So, th like, you, if the game gives it to you, I can't stop you. It's mm -hmm. like taking away a sneak attack from a rogue like what then let's play a different game that doesn't have it you know yeah so you had it you all decided not to use quite a lot of it you only used it and so then you were allowed to do it at the end that's just how it do yeah yeah i feel like i use it pretty liberally throughout the campaign itself and each time was prepared to face the consequences because carrie ann truly thought that her actions were better for camp than the karmic balance would be bad for camp you know mm-hmm mm-hmm mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there's something, maybe it's just me in my head, but there's something inherent in, like, luck and, like, sort of along the same lines, like, inspiration die, like, where they're, like, rare and, and you don't want to waste them kind of thing. So, yeah. like, I just inherently don't feel like I want to use them. But I've also learned that if I got too close to the doom, I knew Eric would fuck me massively. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so That's the game, man. Yeah. I'm following what's written down on the paper. <laughs> Uh, but no, I would have came down, come down so hard on y'all if you had gotten that mm -hmm. close. Um, two things I want to address. One was, you all didn't use your luck unless you failed. None of you used luck on rolls that were midly. And I think that that's an interesting idea about like how we're you know, enjoying the game, enjoying the subtleties and the grays of these rolls. Um, but that's also probably why y'all had so many at the end. It's true. And also, I want to talk about all of your luck moves. Like, the thing to remember is that you can't just use luck and get a thing. Something happens to you. And what's interesting about all of your different playbooks is that sometimes it's positive, but sometimes it's negative about all of your luck moves. And I just wanted to touch on those before we leave Monster of the Week uh, by the wayside. Because it was very important to the story that uh, when Brandon used a luck point. Yeah. Well, I think it's uh, maybe I'm wrong because I don't remember y'all's luck moves, but I think it's ambiguous in, on purpose whether or not it can be negative or positive for the Some of them are explicitly oh, bad. Mine yeah. is very bad. So oh, the initiates okay, okay. is yeah, when is. you spend a point of luck, something goes wrong for your sect, an ill-advised project or a disastrous operation. Let's remember Carrie Ann used a luck point and the Ali Kanto ate the whistle was one of the reactions to that. Yep. Wink. Uh mine was like really more of a character influence choice because when I mark off luck points your dark side's needs get nastier and as we later discovered my dark side is just 
me and my magic and not an outside force, which mm-hmm. is what Phoebe thought originally. And so it was just like, I have to play Phoebe darker. Mm. What was yours, Brandon? Mine was, when I spend a point of luck, your first encounter comes up in play. It could be a flashback, a new occurrence, or related event. So it's very open-ended um, yes. on mine, at least. Yours was, like, ambiguous. It, it was odd. It was like, what am I going to do? I'm going to have you flash back to a traumatic moment, and then, <laughs> but you just did something good? Like, I wasn't sure how to do it other than having Bigfoot jump out and save you. <laughs> yeah, was, well, that's the thing about, funny. like, the first encounter, too. They're all positive things like you can play them negative but they all give you bonuses like good bonuses on the play sheet so like yeah i yeah it's i can imagine it'd be tough for the gm to figure that out it is important to point out that brandon's playbook the searcher was from tome of mysteries so i wonder if that's like a choice to balance out to have something more ambiguous Mm -hmm. or maybe like i was thinking about this i wonder if the searcher had like worse stats just from like being a like a milky boy who's (laughs) inside all the time instead of like (laughs) someone out there i wonder if that's why you could use luck more liberally for good shit to happen to you or that's why you had more like resources instead of skills or abilities I do think Les was lactose intolerant, unfortunately. (laughs) He's milky in skin, but not in tum. Um, (laughs) I really like the idea of if you're playing the searcher character, and this doesn't have to apply to like you, Brandon, or like what you were doing with Les, but the searcher character's first encounter, like you just start seeing Bigfoot more in the distance like like the impending doom of bigfoot's gonna get you seems like a (laughs) great way of reading those luck rolls no and i i think julia that's a that's a really useful lens because it seems like the playbook sort of has an inherent tension if you want to lean into it between your origin story and like what's out there and so i think it's easy for you know a, a a Mulder character to get you know obsessed by their own past and not necessarily the breadth of things in front of them yeah, totally. Yeah, there were a few different ways. Uh, Julia, I wish I had known your thinking before. Cause I <laughs> Sorry, bud. I just thought of Big, it now. <laughs> Bigfoot showed up and he's a carnivore. <laughs> well, we do have a question specifically about Bigfoot in a minute. But first, sticking with luck points, Jaya asked, what would have happened if any of the characters got to doomed on the luck scale? I assumed it was different for each of them because they all have different luck moves. But then the four harm to carry Anne was a hard move that could have been taken on anyone. Yeah, I think I just would have ramped up the shit for the hard moves. I would have done them more often. I mm. would have made them really dangerous. Because, yeah. you know, you can just do, like, an eight-harm move. You can just do it. Yeah. And it's you not out. try to kill me, literally. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, a, a giant a giant uh, dinosaur wanted to step on your face. Like, I don't know, man. But, like, yeah. you can just do that, and it's not, like, a, it's not weird. It's not like DM says, rocks fall, you all die. In Monster of the Week, if... The doom is on the horizon. You got to bring the doom. That's fair. So I don't. I don't even think it's like mean as me as the as the the runner of this game to do that. Like I got to follow what the game wants me to do. That's no, a powerful tool and it has powerful consequences. I was curious when we started because I didn't know the mechanics obviously in the rules. Um, like in my head, I was thinking doomed. Like I'm gonna guys. I'm gonna do a supernatural. Oh, Uh-oh. here we go. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, no. Thank you. It's like he is like Brandon's about to do a backflip standing. Like when Dean uh, goes to hell, like I, like because he's doomed, like his soul is already sold. I forget why, but you know, like that kind of doomed as opposed to like you get hurt more in real life. But we don't really die or anything. So yeah, I don't know. I think for Phoebe, if Phoebe had hit doomed, I would have just discussed with you, Eric, like having her go full evil. 
Sure. And then, like, just be irredeemable in that way, and that would have been the quote-unquote end of the character. Yeah. Um, I'd have to look at the book of what doomed is supposed to mean, but I think it just means, like, playing harder and faster with your with your PCs. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure that's right. Um, I just – that was what I was thinking in my head. It, I, it's hard. It's hard. It's like – when you get to a point where your GM needs to like kill you, it just—it's never fun. Like, what are we, what are we doing here? If I, I, you all came to my house, I, I bought pizza, and then I'm like, all right, and now you die. Great session, everybody. I'm so glad we had a good time. Is like, it's, as you're finishing the pizza by yourself. Yeah. yeah, right. It's like the the tension of that is hard, but you know. That's why you only do it after you, the player, uses all of your luck points. It's like uh, it's the karmic balance that needs to be paid, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I actually I just found the section for running out of luck. Would you like me to read it? Please. Luck scores are another measure of the story's progress. Luck will gradually get used as you play. If a hunter is getting to the end of their luck, that's the sign that their story needs to end. If not, they'll be killed by a monster sooner or later, either because they can no longer reduce the harm they suffer or because of a hard move you make against them. So I think it's basically just like, you're going to die. We just don't know how or when. Mm -hmm. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, there's like Monster of the Week really wants you to stop playing after like 12 sessions. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Or at least start up with a new character after yeah. a while. Or get re- resurrected somehow or something, you know. Yeah. All these, like, tropes of these kind of shows involve that stuff. Uh, Brennan, is there a show that has, like, 5,000 seasons that that you can ref- that you're referencing? <sighs> Scrubs? Yeah, it was Yeah, Scrubs. that was it. That's why we yeah. did the musical episode. She, Julia, I was literally about to fucking say <laughs> that. God damn it. So here's our Bigfoot question. Paul asks... Eric, you talked before about how Jenny saw the best friends as kind of incompetent and how that informed her decision to take matters into her own hands with Steven. I could ask about any number of NPCs here, but I'm fascinated by Bigfoot's perspective. How much of this was he even aware of? Was he actively trying to help less or was he just doing his own thing and sometimes just thinking, oh, hey, there's that tall kid again? Good question. God, I hope it's the latter. Or, or, let me pause this. What's he of? Was Bigfoot. Just less from the future when he's gone out to live in the woods for a long time. I thought Honored Palmer was less from the future. Yeah, we did. <laughs> say. That's canon. Yeah. Or the past. Ugh. In my head, it was the latter. Yeah, Bigfoot just kept showing up. I think this also has to do with like this interesting, this monster hunting idea that we, we've toyed with, with the various people who've talked to less about monsterology and cryptozoology as like a, stu- uh, a realm of study is like, they're just hanging out and we're trying to make sense of it in our human brains, you know, like we can't, there's only so much we can do. Yeah. So I think that that Bigfoot just so happened to keep showing up <laughs> or it was, maybe it's not even the same Bigfoot. Maybe there's multiple Sasquatches. Like we don't know. We don't know. And we also don't know how far away necessarily Les's first encounter was to camp. Like it was just in the woods, you know? So I, I I'd like to think it was random. Yeah. God, I hope so. And our final question about camp and about the story from Sarah, Purple People Eater. How many campers do you think die every summer? Do they have a necromancer on call? I mean, they do mention a necromancer on call, right, Eric? Like, mm-hmm. we'll just contact our necromancer. It's fine. Like, we'll, we'll get the kids back in their bodies. Yeah. It's like Crudo's new girlfriend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, yes. And she's just hot and goth and he doesn't deserve her. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> Or just full corporate look. And she's like, I provide necromancy consulting services. I have a business. I'm writing that down. That's really good. I think you need to change your uh, season three character really quick and just do that. That's incredible. 
Man, that's really good. I like that. Any thoughts? No, I just man, I wanted to just be hand wavy. I thought it was funny that yeah. kids kept dying and like <laughs> no one had any explanation for it. So I just like kind of wanted to hand wave it away and whatever you think. Like Amanda's head cannon's very good. <laughs> I might use that. Yeah. That's what I'm gonna start believing. But it's whatever whatever you think. I like both the idea that at the end of the summer the parents come to retrieve their children and Director Lowe either hands them a dry bag of skin or like a, a golem that like can't move but has their person's their kids soul inside of it. Yeah, it's a, you can go to our you can go to our soul removal guy. Don't worry, great rates just down the road. <laughs> Here's a referral. Yeah. Speaking of headcanon, this is the section I am most excited to talk about in this AP. Katya asks, "Is there a chance we'll return to camp die at some point?" I'm sure. Sh- I'm shrugging. Who can say, I would like to, but I also know that, like, some of us feel like the stories of these characters have been concluded, so I don't want to be like, we have to come back. Yeah, I I think as a player, yeah, I think it'd be fun to come back, but, like, as a storyteller, it's like, you always want to leave it on this perfect note that we've achieved, where it's like, you want more, but, like, you feel satisfied, so I, I don't think it would be as satisfying for you, the listener, if we did return. I'm just grabby hands because when I fall in love with the character, I'm just like, give me more. I want more interaction. Well, that doesn't mean we couldn't play another setting as adult versions of these or like teen or like true teen versions of these characters. Oh, my God. The summer before college as Phoebe Les and Carrie Ann would be adorable. (laughs) That'd be really fun. I've also been thinking since we ended campaign two about, you know, going back to Lake Town City in some way. So Mm -hmm. I, I think... For me, at least, door is not closed, but I would want to do it like a little to the left, a little tangential, time shifted, you know, a different perspective, something like that. Yeah, Yeah, same. I don't know. It's an interesting question. There was something about this where I really wanted to keep it to 20 episodes Mm -hmm. and doing something that was like the fact that we ended campaign two in the middle of this year and then we just filled the rest out with the campaign. I kind of liked that. Like, it was nice doing a shorter thing and, you know, making new characters and then living in them and then being able to make more characters. I think it's just keeping it fresh and fun. Mm-hmm. So, no, it, it's, it depends what, what game we want to play, what stories we want to tell. I don't know. I, I feel all this stuff is similar. I, I, don't, I don't know the answer. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes that is the answer. Dominique Wiki asks, what will Crudo say about Boo's state? <laughs> Write that fanfic and then send it to me. That's true. You can do whatever you want. That's my answer to to the majority of these questions. <laughs> Similarly from Mystery Dork, do you believe the best friends created their own camp later in life? What kind of camp did they create? Sounds like a great headcanon. You should explore in fanfic. Well, Julia said fucking no. There's only one camp, so I guess not. <laughs> no, I, I shook my head, meaning like I don't think these kids want to be associated with any sort of camp anymore. No, you said that in the episode too, Julia. Oh, did I? Well, <laughs> fuck me. <laughs> Kazi asked, did Carrie Ann lose her luster for camp after that summer, or did it reaffirm her love of Camp Die? I, that's a great question. I'm not positive. I think she is more committed than ever to the idea that she specifically is the only person who can realize Camp Die's true potential and vision mm-hmm. uh, and, and safeguard it against poor management. So that's my first instinct. But, uh, you know, 
just my headcanon. I love I'm also not her. sure that she's wrong about that at this point. Like, I think if, if Carrie Anne, assuming the lessons that Carrie Anne learned this summer stick, mm-hmm. you know, coming back later to like run the camp, I think it would probably be a better camp. Well, in terms of Carrie Anne's future managerial problems, Michelle Spurgeon would like to know, what kind of trouble do you see the fairies causing now that they have been invited in by Les? I don't think any. I, I don't think fine. in any folktale, Julia, you're the expert here, so you tell me, in any folktale, does inviting fey influence on your mortal realm slash life lead to any any kind of conflict? Oh, no, no not at all. You're you're no. probably fine. It's and perfect. like worst case scenario, you could just like uh, I don't know, revoke their permission to come into the camp with a ritual or something. I don't know. <laughs> what are you guys talking about? The fey are so destructive and dangerous. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Do you listen? Do you even listen to Spirits podcast? No, Eric. I'm the president of the fairies. It doesn't matter. <laughs> no, you're like you're like the Doug Flutie. You're like the starting quarterback. The LeBron of the James of the fairies. Yeah, yeah. You're on cereal boxes, but that's it. You also love Sprite Cranberry. That's just good reference. Good reference. <laughs> Thank you. They have a winter blend, by the way, of Sprite Cranberry. I'm like, do I want this yeah. Sprite? <laughs> try it. Try it. Oops, all fairies. There it is. Mm-hmm. Oops, all fairies. You get it. More like oops, no names. Yeah, what they don't tell you about Sprite is that this hidden ingredient is fairy poop. <gasps> Gross. Mm, no. I, I kind of figured. Cat Owl Dolls wants to know, what happens to the health and safety inspectors who come to Camp Die? That's another good one. That's a good one. <laughs> Here's genuinely my head canon, right? Like, I don't want to put this down in canon at all because I don't think it's as fun. But, like, in my head, like, if we exploded the picture out, like, I think... This is a, a like fairly monster heavy world where like people have magic and like the parents send these kids to camp die because maybe it's like a secret that all these kids but like you know I think the parents know and the parents know what to expect and like I I think that's that's why this camp exists. I don't know. I think it's it's bigger. I think it's bigger. Yeah. Like I, kids at high school are nonchalantly like, "Yeah, yeah, didn't come back." Yeah, we could go in one of two directions, I think. Either it's an outlier or it's one of a series of camps that deal with monsters and stuff. Because, you know, we touched on that with the uh, with the manual having, like, compulsory monster hunting mm-hmm. in there, like, riflery. Mm-hmm. I did just have another idea of a mystery where you discover Diogenes, who never, who is still alive, mm-hmm. but he sucks. Yeah. So, you need no. to, so you need to keep him away from everyone else and be a real caper. <laughs> That's very funny. That is really good. What happened to Avery, Eric? Just chilling? Avery's just down there. Yeah. yeah. They're fine. I see. Yeah. I said Avery's just down there in the in the NPC wrap-up that there was uh, Avery now has some new lacrosse equipment. Yeah. <laughs> Chill. Shelby said wants to know what happened to the Barbecue Brothers and Brothers Boudreaux. Did they ever get the statue of their grandpappy back? No, the Alicanto ate it. Did they make a new statue out of like cheese curds or something and now it's like freeze dried in their display in their store yeah like butter. how they make butter sculptures thank you sculpture. brandon yeah, yeah, yeah. thank <laughs> you brandon butter sculpture is that what happened i who could say i don't know <laughs> butter is as good as gold dominique asks will there be a way to put boo's soul into a human body Great question. It's called Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. <laughs> uh, Ricky Yana, what do you think the best friends will study after high school? Will they end up in college? Huh. I mean, yes, for less. Organization change, management. Yeah, mm-hmm, that makes mm-hmm. sense. So you get a certification for like nonprofit, which doesn't mean anything. <laughs> yeah, like how to run how to run uh, camps and like recreational uh, organizations. Love yeah. that for you. Yeah, I think Les would go into sort of like 
wildlife management, you know, like that kind of thing where you end up like as a director of a national park or something. Yeah, it's like getting a creative writing degree at NYU. Like nominally it's in English, but everyone knows it's in writing. Uh, it's uh, it's like that. But instead of studying cryptozoology, you study wildlife management. And then mm-hmm. you go, wink, wink. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know how to track bears and other things. <laughs> how about Phoebe? Any thoughts? Yeah, what's oh, Phoebe doing? Uh, English major, 100%. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's not a She's at one of the seven sisters. It's called Book Smarts. Cute. Yep, yep. Late Salmon asks, will the best friends stay friends if they don't go back to camp? We're best friends forever. We're best friends for life. All right, folks, couple more. This is from Isabel. What's a question about Camp Die you or the PCs have unanswered that you want to know? And I think Cat Owl Dolls asked my question, which is, will Les and Bigfoot ever be reunited? <laughs> they do get married, actually. Down, oh, down that makes sense. Yeah. I like that. BBC, uh, the, the like ordained minister for their wedding. <laughs> <laughs> That's like all that fan art of like Bowser and Luigi as a couple. Yeah. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I would have wanted to know more about like the, we did a little wave handy around it, but like the cult that was the order of Diogenes before the camp was founded. Mm. Oh yeah, for sure. Totally. Yeah. That's like season, the enemy of season three. Julia. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. Oh. I don't know. I feel pretty satisfied. I think, you know, I would love to always want to see more fun monsters, but, you know, nothing specific. Yeah. I mean, I keep thinking this like a television show, you know, is like either you leave it at the season finale, you figure out what's going to be in the next season, you know? Right. So I don't know. I don't know. We would have we would have figured it out. And finally, an important question from Ralts. If Tater Talk could talk all along, how about Pizza the dog? No, Pizza can't talk. Pizza can't talk. <laughs> Pizza's just a dog, Ralts. Pizza's just a sweet rescue boy. Or, who knows, maybe in a couple of years when we do grown up college best friends going to the Gaga in Lake Town City. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, it's God. True. So it's many the layers. ECU, baby. It could be it could be thirty years before or after the discovery of Diaphora. We don't know. We don't know. Wild. Who oh can my say? God. Maybe maybe the best friends are the parents of Aggie and, and the crew. Oh, no. That's Is one funny. of them Milo's mom? <laughs> what? <laughs> All right, guys. Let's uh, let's stop this train of thought. It's getting too metaphysical for me up in here. Let's finish with a few questions um, about the podcast and then talk about da-da-da-da-da. What's next? Yay! Yay! Kazi asks, Brandon, did this season present any interesting audio challenges different to previous campaigns? Uh, I wouldn't say anything different. I did, like, self-impose... A set of like music tracks I could choose from because um, I wanted to keep it sort of tonally consistent. Um, but other than that, I think just making Eric uh, uh, do funny foley for me was always fun. Nice. But that's it. Yeah, I've been leaning into that a lot more. Eric, I'll extend this to planning. Unlike all of our other campaigns where we played, like each play session translated to one episode. In this case, we played a whole mystery, which was two, or in the finale's case, three episodes in one session. So how did that affect your planning? And what did you like or not like about that versus D&D planning? Yeah, I was always worried that episode one was not as good as episode two. Like all the cool stuff was in ep- the second episode because the first episode was set up. Like obviously, like let's take the the Crudo Anaconda one, right? He's like, you guys roasted him for, for like 30 minutes. And I'm not going to stop you. That's very funny. But then it felt like that whole episode was just roasting. And then we move on. There is a thing in Dungeons and Daddies where they call it like 
a one foot episode because they only end up like one foot out the door from the beginning to the end Mm -hmm. and like they have that issue a lot I don't think we have that issue quite as much but then again like the way that this got split it felt like all the action was in episode two which is I mean that's just how Monster of the Week works Mm -hmm. I mean that's how Monster of the Week TV works frequently too when it's two-parter you know right but you know it's like these are supposed to be single episodes of Monster of the Week you know Mm -hmm. so but it's like just the way that we're like, that's, that's how actual play podcasting works, you know? Yeah. So I'm going to be glad that we can go back to maybe one episode at a time just so I have a better gauge of this stuff. But then again, we're going to figure out a recording schedule for Campaign 3 and just figure out what, what the deal is. Yeah. TBD. Yeah. TBD. Paul wants to know from all of us what you like about Monster of the Week compared to other systems you've played. Um, I can start because I've said versions of this in previous after parties, but I love that rolling badly was just as interesting and gave me just as much agency as rolling well. And it's something I'm going to really take into our next campaign um, is being a little bit less afraid of trying things if I might not succeed uh, or thinking about problems and situations a little more creatively where even a partial or a mixed success is narratively interesting. Like a lot of it is just me holding myself back and not going for stuff unless I'm pretty sure I can succeed. That's what my control freak brain really enjoyed playing a monk for that reason because Mm. key points really let you kind of like optimize when you go for something and when you don't. But I'm gonna try to have a more scattershot approach to the action I take next next campaign. Yeah, I agree with that. I was gonna say the same thing. Like the having mixed successes is is a lot of fun. And I think, uh, I don't know how you're feeling Eric, but I think it would be fun to in campaign three, like. If you're within one to two dice points of the target, then like you get some kind of mixed success or whatever it is. But yeah, um, yeah, I like that that mechanic a lot. I think I'm gonna bring that in aesthetically or just mm. like in my vibes as well mm-hmm. for that. I'm not gonna put any sort of mechanical stuff around it, but I have been thinking a lot about like what does it mean to fail? What does it mean to kind of succeed? And it's mm-hmm. just listen. This is. They pretend like there's a structure here, but it's really like it happens, but only a little bit. And yeah. I got to do that in Dungeons and Dragons anyway. So maybe I'll keep like one in my brain. I won't do something that mechanically and that rigid, but I, I definitely want to bring that that vibe into our dice rolls. Um, if if we end up playing a D20 system in the future. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, oh. I think for me, I've said multiple times, I really liked kind of how loosey-goosey the rules were for Monster of the Week, especially when it came to the magic system. And I could just be like, I take my soul out of my body and I put it in Jenny's skin sack. And we could just do that as long as I rolled well enough. And that is very cool to me. Hell yeah. I also like the experience tracker in Monster League versus D&D. Right. Like the, whenever you fail, you get a checkbox and then you get to like, cause it, no one ever plays the point system really, unless you're like really hardcore to deer. Yeah. And so it At just ends up being like, yeah, you level up, you know. Milestone. Yeah. Hey, Brandon, if you want to tell me when you level up, just let, just let me know. <laughs> you're like, oh, Eric, I actually 20? think I leveled up now, so. Oh, wait. Oh, that's why I don't tell. let you choose what level you are? Oh, Eric, I'm right. starting at level Blue Eyes White Dragon. Does that work for you? <laughs> I'm starting at level Exodia, and that's how I'm just going to do that. No, I, I really like the leveling up mechanics as well. It really takes a lot of pressure off of off of the DM to like be in control of everything because it, it's that shouldn't be what it is, and you want a game that facilitates that. Yeah, hell yeah. And finally, from I am Noah Schmidtke, Eric, when can I go to camp for real? 
they have these great things called summer camps. (laughs) And you can go and you can work there and donate your time. And I'm sure that as an adult, you can do that and have meaningful relationships with the campers and your fellow staff. Mm -hmm. You can just do it. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure a lot of you did that, too. I poured a lot of my my feelings and, and memories of camp into this that I haven't really been able to interact with in quite a long time. So I'm really happy about it. But you can, I'm sure you have that yourself or you can find that for yourself in whatever you did over the summer. Aww. Aw. This is me. It's called art. <laughs> it's fucking called art. Mm, what? Sounds sentimental and silly. I don't know. Yeah, that's why I'm giving all of my DMing up to an AI after this. <laughs> no! <laughs> it can't do hands! It can't do hands! It's just stealing. It's bad. Anyway. Yeah. All right, people. Uh, listeners, players, loved ones, friends and family. I don't know where I'm going with this. Uh, Governor, I am really excited for what's happening next uh, in Join the Party. Um, I am the Governor of Fun. Uh, that's my new title. Uh, and no, I don't know. Uh, what's I happening like Governor next? Governor of Fun. No, Let's you're the that. Governor of Fun now, Amanda. Great. Print out those business cards. Uh, Cabinet, thank you for assembling. Uh, here's what's happening next uh, on Join the Party. So we are next Tuesday going to do a little bonus up. We're going to do uh, a full drop of a party planning episode so that non-patrons can enjoy all of the goodness we've been doing over on party planning as well because uh, it'll be that nether world between uh, winter holidays and the new year. Then in January... Uh, Eric, do you have like a guest or like a character, or, like a voice who could sort of uh, introduce <laughs> us to what we're doing for January? I'm Scoot McGarry, and this is the One Shot Derby. What's Whoa. that, Scoot? Well, the year is 1942, and uh, we're sponsored by chocolate that probably is mostly acid. Okay. Certainly during rationing. Yeah, we're rationing. The boys overseas need the chocolate, and we're doing a One Shot Derby. Uh, I can't do this voice. And, uh, deliver details at the same time. Amanda, take it away. So, Scoot, (laughs) thank you so much for that introduction. So, in the One Shot Derby, we are going to play character creation sessions for three different game systems. We're going to make full characters, explore our worlds, names, voices, the whole shebang for three different, and when I say different, I mean very wildly, tonally, and like mechanically different kinds of games and then let you our listeners vote on which game we play a full one shot of for our patrons sound fun yeah hell yeah i'm in yeah (laughs) i am so excited so the first three weeks of the new year we're gonna drop those three one shot character creation sessions we're gonna finish up with an after party all about these games these worlds these characters i I just i can't pick a favorite because all of us have come up with incredible characters for these derby episodes (laughs) and uh then we'll have a public poll where everybody can vote on which one they love the most but you gotta become a patron to listen to the full thing we also all made characters i also made a character yes we have 16 Mm -hmm. characters for you to fall in love with in, in January. I'm so excited. And then mark your calendars, people. Tuesday, January 31st, 2023, a special fifth Tuesday uh, of the month. Remember, no more bad Tuesdays. There would have been two bad Tuesdays in January Whoa. if uh, if we hadn't gone gone correct in 2022. Yeah, January's bad. Jeez. Yeah. We are going to begin campaign three. <gasps> Can we say, do we want to say what yes, game system we're tell playing? the people. Tell the people, Eric. Tell yeah. the people. Tell the people. Give them a clue. We are, I'm just going to say, we are returning to Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. Though, we're doing quite a lot of work to bring the game into the year of our Lord 2023 to play a specific story and uh, make up for some shortfalls and do some very interesting stuff. 
That's what I can say to that. Oh, guys, I'm so excited. Uh, it's going to be so much fun. I'm so excited for the Derby. I'm excited for you all to hear it. So you, we won't be missing a Tuesday, people. No more bad Tuesdays here. So we will see you next week with a party planning drop. We'll see you in January with the One Shot Derby. And then January 31st, Campaign 3 begins. Whee! Whee! I feel like we need to throw something into some fire, right? Like yeah. I, I'm trying to think of how to, how to end this. Eric, yeah. stop lighting the studio on fire. I've asked you so many times. No, I don't like authority. <laughs> but remember, there's a crackling noise underneath this entire episode. That's right. And Julia, speed it up. <laughs> I make it, and I'll make it really loud. Nothing happens. Ah! <laughs> okay. All right, everybody. Uh, much love. Hope you enjoyed camp. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Later. Bye. Mayor rolls trend ever upward.